How's it going, everyone? Welcome back to Legion's Lounge. I'm your producer, Matt, joined by your host, Taylor. How's it going tonight? Oh, it's great to be back. Uh, I know we uh, we got we didn't get a chance to get last week. We played catch up. We got two one, two podcasts out the week before, but last week, uh, or technically this past week, Monday, we did uh, we launched a new Kickstarter. So uh, that's that's awesome. So we that was our main focus for Monday, uh, that Monday morning. But uh, speaking of another focus, we have a new uh, a new guest on tonight. Jasper, how's it going, man? It's going well. It's going well. I'm excited to be here uh, and talk about uh, things. Yeah, what do you want to talk about? Uh, this is uh, just the game. I, I I really like this game. It's it's super fun to play. Like. I like every time I go to locals, I'm just like, I'm excited to play this game. It's just that that's what it's, I'm it's, saying. No, it's like there's potentially a battle for glory coming up. I don't yes, know yeah, exactly when. I actually I hammered it out with uh, with nerds today. So Nerds Cafe, our flagship store here in Woodstock. Um, we uh, we hammered out the dates. So we're going to be March 26th. It's a Sunday. Um, we're going to be doing it at 11 a.m. Starting 11 a.m. on March 26th. So. We're gonna be doing a battle for glory, and we'll be streaming it on that day too on the wit on the nerds uh, Twitch live stream. So um, we'll be streaming games all day. Last time we did a battle for glory, we streamed for ten and a half hours of gameplay. So we're gonna be doing that again. So make sure that if uh, you want to get some Legion's gameplay in, see how some of the some of our uh, top players play, some of our great community members play. Um, we're gonna do our best to make sure we rotate through and feature. Um, as many legions are available uh, on the stream, so no, hundred percent. And um, what is it? I'm actually going to try my best to make it out there. I'm uh, actually quite open, so it it should work hopefully. But honestly, I have no idea what to play. <laughs> uh, I think I'm just going to run it back with the heroes. I tried the Mount Bain deck last battle for glory. It went really well. I had some really fun interactions with it. Um, <laughs> uh, but I definitely want to bring bring the heroes back. Uh, see how they do. So how are heroes uh, going to work without their veil pierce, like without defend the king? Um, I mean they've been working pretty well. I think the Fendorian resource loop has kept them very relevant. Um, <laughs> and all all of that, all of that, like um, I think defend the king allowed the deck to be really strong in those like first few turns and really pop off really fast. Um, but without that, you uh, go into more of like uh, something that Heroes is still pretty good at is like a more controlly game, and and just trying to be able to build the board um, when your veil does pierce eventually, and able to and you can refill with your synergy and all that. No, exactly. I mean, like uh, the tiny little bit that I played Heroes, I needed that veil pierce, right? Yeah, well, getting you, into you that. Played it you played it super aggressive, right? But heroes are the deck that are, uh, that have always been and uh, will continue to be the, the Swiss army knife of the game, right? They're the, they're the deck that can be played and, and built in many different ways. Um, I know like Hunter mentioned the Fandorian resource, uh, you know, strategy that it has, but there are many ways to play the deck, um, offensively, defensively, mid range, um, you know, losing, I know some members of our community would, um, Say that uh, heroes started to falter when they lost access to their Veil Pierce card, but um, I think everyone knew that that was coming. Um, but I think that heroes are in a decent spot right now. Uh, ultimately, I think the deck rises and falls with the pilot. 
No, I fully agree. And um, what is it? What was the one hero card that I ran in my super aggro deck? I forget the name en of it. Enhanced by Hood Magic. Enhanced by Hood Magic. There it is. Yeah, such a fun card. Yeah, that's a really. I'm honestly, I probably want like the thing is with card games and stuff like that. I play a lot of them, and in each and every one of them, I suck at building decks. So, um, what I usually do is, um, I I find a list someone else has made and try to be the best pilot I can at that. Like, uh, like for my current list, I, it's a list tailor made, and uh, I run it pretty well. I I honestly, there's not really any changes I would make. Uh, although I did make changes because I don't own a Twilight Gardens or a Void Hollow, but I think uh, Big Shield really does fill the spot. <laughs> Jesus. So, Speaking of, since, since you brought it up, we have to we have to mention we gotta mention the elephant in the room. So this is Jasper in our community Discord server, uh, or known as just uh, Big Shield in brackets. Um, he is an absolute diehard fan of our uh, ancient relic Shield of Solidarity. It is a it is one of the bounty, Bountiful Harvest, Bounty Realm box topper cards that appeared in Bountiful Harvest. It's one of the 12 Ancient Relics. Um, most of the people who played Ancient Relics in any of our tournaments or competitive play typically go with the more aggressive cards like the Brazen Bracers, the Sword of Sacrifice, um, the Greaves of Gallantry. But uh, Jasper has dove right into the defensive side of the Ancient Relics, um, primarily Shield of Solidarity or what we have now commonly called Big Shield. But also, um, you know, he, he does splash in cards like Helmet, like Helm of Harmonization as well. So, But tell us, Jasper, you have to tell us. What is the draw of the Big Shield? Well, it all goes back to when I first got introduced to the game uh, by AJ and uh, Pat and Josh at the time. Uh, they were just playing... And I was at the store at the time. I was finishing up. I think Commander Knight was also at the same night. So I was finishing that up. I saw these guys playing this game. I'm like, oh, that's cool. And they, they're like, oh, you want to sit down and play? They gave me a hero deck. Play against AJ's really weird dwarf deck. Yeah. Um, did really well. It was really fun. Uh, I ended up like doing a little bait with a deflect and then an anti-magic at some point. <laughs> um, but... At the end of that day, I was like, you know what? I'll, I'm done to uh, get more cards in this game. Is it like, oh, why don't you buy a box of Bountiful Harvest? It's only uh, like 30 something dollars. It's not a big investment. You get some cards, and there's a chance you get a cool armament in the top, which is what heroes like. <laughs> you got big uh, and I got Big Shield. That was that was my first box topper was Big Shield. And I was really excited because they were also talking about like, oh, there's this really big shield card that gives a ton of attack. And it's like, yeah, I want that. <laughs> um, and ever since then, I'm just like, this This shield is like, I love making ways to make it work because it's just such a ludicrous number that you can just put on a warrior. Um, I When Valley of Timeless Kings came out, I, I pogged very hard because I'm like, oh, now I can actually use the attack on the shield. Uh, it's it's very fun card in various matchups, like the Undead matchup and Demon matchups and other stuff like that where... They're trying to like maybe clear their board or steal your guy, um, especially in undead where they're like they want to crash guys so they can kill their stuff and bring stuff back. But then you put a shield on it and then like you have to attack this big guy and he will not kill your guys. So you're just you're just kind of stuck. It becomes very frustrating since it's like 
and undead's whole thing, at least grim, right? I, I'm gonna have to get used to saying like not undead. I'll have to get used to saying grim or putrid. But the way that grim works is they they'll ping your dudes and they'll death loop, like well, not death loop, but like they'll revive and kill dudes and revive and kill dudes, and they they kind of leech off of that um, pinging damage onto their dudes, and that their dudes get killed. So that's why they have a really tough matchup into blockade and into orcs because orcs have rampage and if you're killing your dudes over and over rampage hurts a lot yeah um also, I, I was there you go no i was just gonna say so what um for those of for those people uh listening that are not familiar with big shield because it doesn't get played much what does shield of solidarity do jasper oh okay um <laughs> no, I was lazy about it. Uh, but it's a bounty, uh, bounty realm card from Bountiful Harvest, Ancient Relic, Shield of Solidarity. Um, what it does is it equips to a warrior you control. I believe it's Bloodborne uh, 5, Consume 5, if I'm correct, or it might be uh, yeah. Okay, and then it bestows plus 20 attack to the warrior, and they gain blockade, and... Uh, your opponent must target that warrior for any attacks, um, and you can only have one face-up on the field at the time. So, just for even further context, blockade means they can't, like, attack back. Yeah, they can't attack or deal damage back. So it's just basically a plus 20 becomes a wall. Yeah. And they have to attack that wall. Yeah. So it, it keeps your other guys protected in, the, in, in combat terms, uh, and it it just sets up a dude that's just like I am here to protect everyone else on the board, and I. It was really funny when at the last battle for glory, I was playing my Mount Bane Demon deck, and of course I was running Shield Solidarity in it because I'm me. I run Big Shield in every deck I have to, and so when I flipped it up against uh, AJ playing Undead at the time, he was really confused because <laughs> he's like, "Why are you running that card in Demons?" But it worked. Well, for <laughs> It did, and I was actually, um, I was actually uh, doing the commentating for that match, and I, I mean, I should have expected it coming from you, <laughs> um, but when I saw AJ go to attack with his signature Baby Doom to try and kill it, to try and draw a card off Baby Doom's effect, and you flipped up a shield, and then he couldn't crash his undead army into anything but the guy with the shield, um, and then it just, it stalled out his turn, because now he can't just, like, he can't kill his guys and can't do that that uh, that death recycle that Matt was referring to, um, because his guys don't die because the guy with the shield doesn't deal damage back. So it just became a wall, and undead have a really hard time breaking walls that big. Oh, a hundred percent. I'm uh working on a jank putrid build. Like speaking of undead, it's really weird. Basically, it's a full grim deck with putrid with like sorry, it's full grim deck with malady. And you run Mausoleum and just infinite kill loop your dudes and deal damage to them. It's really weird, but I kind of like it. Well, we'll see if that works because you know Malady is not out yet, and I think that's a really good segue there because um, Malady uh, is a new warlord coming in Empires and the Rise, which is a set that's currently on our newly revised Kickstarter, which, by the way, I believe got funded in less than forty-eight hours. Which yes, was pretty sir. amazing. Woo! So we are sitting, you know, almost uh, as of the recording of this, we are 
uh, we're almost at 41,000 on the Kickstarter. 40,000 was the funding goal. So we're only about 4,000 short of the first awesome stretch goal, which are the new Magic Void collection coming. Um, so I know people are pretty excited for that. But more importantly, Empires on the Rise is fully funded, which means that upon the conclusion of the Kickstarter, Empires will be shipping out to people. So the set that everyone has been waiting for is very much on the horizon. So speaking of that, Jasper, how do you feel about some of these new Empires and the Rise cards I know you've been scrolling through lately? Uh, I, I've really been scrolling through them because you like to put hidden little secrets on the website, so it forces me to look through all the <laughs> cards. Uh, but I definitely like... I, I, the thing is, that's good because I, I, look, I start looking through the cards, looking at the details, then I start reading some of the cards. And I'm like, oh, wait, that card's kind of cool. And I, instead of looking for the little secret you put out, I'm just like looking at new cards. Um, and... It's just like, I mean, first we got to start talking about all the new hero cards and the new Angelica stuff and all the dice rolling. And I'm going to be honest, when I um, when I was looking at uh, Ravage Lands cards, right, with Angelica's generous gift, I'm like, oh, that's funny. This card rolls dice. <laughs> and I was like, huh, are there a lot of cards that roll dice? And I started looking at every one. And my first really jank deck was me picking all the cards that rolled dice from Ravage Lands and just and sticking them in a deck. Oh, no. I want to really funny. that. It sounds really fun. But now that's like an actual like competitive strategy now with Angelica and all the rogue cards and everything that supports her. And it's gonna be really fun to uh <laughs> to to roll a bunch of dice on people and see what happens. Uh, as I like to joke at every locals is like every time I go for high roll, I say I've been practicing. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna have to bust on a scale just to see you're not uh, you're not bringing loaded dice. Uh, I I said this last locals, but I'm I'm willing to buy a new cube of dice every tournament if I have to prove that I'm not loading my dice. So I know that uh, you and Hunter specifically have been working on this Angelica combo in your head, and you guys have been going over some of the cards that are spoiled for these this new hero dice rolling mechanic. Um, and can you enlighten some of us listening of what uh, what is this? This combo, what are some of these things that uh, you're starting to find with some of these dice roll mechanics? So, um, I mean, so Angelica is one of those uh, Orlords that, like, if uh, has a lot of cards that will buff her physical attack. And so the, the plan is to, like, use a bunch of those cards to really just make her do one really big hit. So with her new Guardian... Um, you can uh, roll a die every time she's used her special ability, and there's cards that reduce the cooldown of that special ability, so you can use it multiple times in one turn, which her special ability lets you re-roll dice. And uh, when your Guardian uses that effect, uh, <clears throat> it gives her more attack. It It's like, uh, there's a lot to it. But like eventually, you pump Angelica up by like 16d6, which is on average like a number that's big. <laughs> Which is on average a number. <laughs> <laughs> it's I think I think you're gonna at least hit like forty. It's forty to fifty damage on average. You're at least guaranteed gonna hit sixteen. At least sixteen. At least <laughs> plus sixteen to that physical attack. Uh, yeah. Which so, is already base five, so she's hitting for twenty one guaranteed. Yeah, so she's aiming for 21, guaranteed. Um, and then there's stuff like Rogue Independence, which also uh, adds to that. 
and and the combo is complicated. I was think it's like uh, I was thinking through all the cards last night, and it was like it's a lot. But like if you get that perfect hand, you really can just one shot someone's warlord as soon as your veil pierces. So, um, yeah. but that's requiring you to roll like you know sixteen to eighteen dice to do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah of course. And then obviously as many sixes as you can roll. Right. But we did find out a little bit of a. A little bit of a cheat step in there with uh with the new hero exalted that was spoiled today. Yes, yes. Um can I can I talk about what it does? For sure, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So with with uh Angelica's luck charm now, you can just like if there's a really crucial die roll, probably on something like uh Huracan or, or back alley magic, and you're like you you roll it. And it's a it's a low it's like a one two or three and it's like I I don't want that and then you re-roll it because you use your warlord's ability that turn and it's still a one two or three and you're like ah screw it I'm gonna use Angelica's luck charm it's now a six take that <laughs> um and then and then you guarantee your activation of uh, back alley magic reset your guardian's ability do it again roll more dice b- buff Angelica more uh yeah that's a really but also interesting with the luck charm too. Is every time you roll or re-roll a dice, oh, yes. uh, the luck charm does one damage to the warlord. So yeah, so <laughs> and so uh, is that is that for each die or is it each as, die uh, that's rolled? Oh my! Each individual die rolled. Oh my god! Oh, that's so much damage. So when you when you use your guardian for four to five uh, dice, depending on uh, if you've really maxed out on your Angelica activations. That's five damage every time, and you plan to do that uh, four times um, so wait, with a combination of, of Secret Savannah and um, is it Secret Savannah? No, no, uh, uh, Land, Land of, of Ice and Fire, Land of Fire and Ice, and and Huracan. So if you're able to get two Huracans and three Land Land of Fire and Ice out, you're able to get uh, five Angelica activations in one turn. So wait, 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 hold on. You're telling me that the synergy doesn't it roll four dice? Yeah, but he's not using the synergy. No, but I'm he's, saying just for like the synergy does roll four dice. Yes. yes okay. Yeah. And how many times can you re-roll? Like um, in this combo, with the amount of times you're activating Angelica, you get you basically get to re-roll everything. Okay, because you could just she roll can the re-roll synergy. up to eight. She can re-roll up to eight die. Yeah. Okay, so that's thirty-six damage right there, just. Up to eight dice or up to eight entire like dice eight, effects? Eight dice roll effects. Eight dice roll effects. Okay, so so how would that work? That would be 36 damage using Luck Charm and just putting yeah. everything into re-rolling the synergy. Yeah, and then if you do hit the 20 off the synergy, that's an additional 20 damage on top of that, right? Jeez. Right. Oh, she's so, yeah, so she has she has multiple ways. She has like the, the effect damage, but she also has like Jasper was talking about, if you end up using the Guardian Ratsby five times off of Angelica's stacked effects all in this combination with a rogue independence, you know, Jasper's rolling 16 die, and he's re-rolling those 16 die at potentially up to eight times. So, there is a there's a lot of steps and a lot of workarounds, and it requires a perfect hand with, you know, probably 10 to 12 plus cards in the combination, and your opponent not having any single response to any of it, which is highly yeah. unlikely. Um, you you get Void Hollowed, and you're like, ah, oh, well. 
<laughs> next turn, next turn, I'll get you. Next game. Or if you, you do a bunch of burn damage and with the luck charm and you end up hitting them for like 30, 40 damage with the luck charm and then you try and swing for 40 to kill them with Angelica and then they swift in a guy and take the hit and then you get sad, but... Luck charm is going to be so good. The amount of good, like, unified exalteds and just big power unified cards, I think deflect is going to become so much more um prominent in the meta personally yes any know. any fortified that negates unified cards like deflect um you know things like anti-magic magic void hollow like jasper mentioned you know you're going to start seeing a lot of these cards pop up michael's proclamation right a lot oh of those goodness, cards yeah. uh, you know twilight gardens the stuff that that shuts down powerhouse unified cards you're going to start seeing them pop up more and more Imagine twilighting a Hansvik. What what is what does Angelica do after that? Well, I mean, Hansvik's not a really big crucial part of the deck because, like Hun Jasper Hunger's was saying, good for searching stuff, but um, it's not necessary if you already have all the stuff you need, right? I guess so. Um, well, and the thing, the interesting thing about Angelica, I know that Jasper was looking at is the fact that you know she doesn't really have any warriors. Yeah, she really is just going rogue. I really, I was really thinking like, oh, we're gonna get a, a bunch of different rogue warriors because of gamble with life. We're gonna be able to like uh, run all these different attack warriors. So when we gamble with life, we can pull one out, and they're all part of uh, Angelica's resistance. But no, it seems like Angelica's definitely like on her own, and um, it's something you want to do. Uh, you just, you're just trying to go all in on her, and so yeah, stuff like that. And that's actually an interesting way to look at it too, is because. Up to this point in the game, we have eight active warlords, and there's going to be eight new ones coming. Um, Angelica will be the first warlord in the game that is just tunneled into the warlord. You know, there's a lot of games where you know you make titans big or make a really big wide board with orcs um, or a couple combinations of regenerating guys with undead, but there's not a deck in the game that funnels into the warlord. Mm -hmm. Not yet. And then Angelica comes in, and yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, but it's gonna be a very exciting man. Come empires, I don't know what to build. Like, obviously, my heart's at where putrid is, but ugh, there's so many things I want to build. I feel you. Like, like Angelica I mean, sounds fun. Understandably so. I mean, the set uh, on paper and the way the box is gonna describe it. Uh, this set includes a total of 265 cards to collect, um, supporting all eight legions. Now, that is baseline, 265 is the set number, but that doesn't include the second edition reprints that we're putting in, the second edition Warlords. That doesn't include the Fractured Foil variants, the Sketch Foil variants. That doesn't include the Countdown card. That doesn't include um, the Season 1 campaign promos that we're reprinting into the set to make sure that um, everyone has access to them. Um, that doesn't include the new, the eight new revolution cards that you know are going to be changing the game. Um, and that also doesn't include the uh, three Kickstarter exclusive that are only coming in the Kickstarter version of these boxes, uh, the bounty hunter cards. So when you first look at it, the set is 265 cards, which on paper is our biggest set to date because Ravage Lands was 260. This is five more cards than that. Yeah. But when you count all the variants plus the additional cards we're adding in, 
in one box of empires, you have the potential of actually pulling cards or collecting cards up to 321 cards instead of just 265. Damn. And so, question about the uh, fracture foils and the sketch foils. So, we yep. have seen two as of, as of now. We have yes. seen the Ooze Harvester. I forget the exact name of it. You've seen the Ducks Fox's Deprivation Chamber. Is the Deprivation foil. Chamber, yeah. And the, um, then the... Uvlahad. Yeah. Uvlahad, yeah. It's the there... hero, the hero rogue warrior in sketch form, yeah. Exactly. Is there going to be one for like one sketch or fracture for each legion, perhaps? Well, there is eight sketch foils in the set, one for each legion, and they're all going to be rares. Um, they're all extended art, they're alternate art, they're done uh, in sketch form, black and white, and they'll be black and white foiled. Um, and they are all done by our original OG legion artist. Uh, Michelle Kroskin Bond, the one that did all of our hand-drawn battle deck artwork. We brought her back to do, um, I know that in Frontiers we did all, we had alternate art, digital alternate art reprints of her original cards. This time we're bringing her back to do hand-done sketch alternate arts of digitally produced cards. So we're doing it the opposite way. Um, and we brought her back to do eight of them and we actually have her signature is hidden into the artwork as well. Um, we really wanted to uh, to bring her back and kind of be a homage to the beginning of Legions, um, and giving it a really unique um, sketch, black and white uh, grayscale foil that we've never used before. So, I think that's going to be really cool. They're all going, like I said, they're all going to be rare, and they're going to appear one for each Legion, and they're all going to be on a warrior. So there'll always be a rare warrior that they're going to appear on. Um, I'm so going to get, Legion... get my play set of Uvahads. That's going to yeah. be something. For me. So each Legion is getting one. Um, as for the fractured foils, there's only four of them in this set. And they're not a special like change of foiling. Uh, they are still a rainbow foil, but the reason we're calling them fractured foils is because the artwork, not the, not the foiling, but the artwork is fractured. Mm -hmm. So the actual artwork is broken like pieces of glass, and that is what's spot foiled on the card. So um, behind the fractured glass artwork, as you can see in that one card, is Decimea, our big bad, the one that's on the back of the cards. She's peering through the fracture. Um, in our storyline, this is the first set where uh, Ducks Fox is actually being spoken through as this voice through the ooze. He believes it's the, 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 the genius in his head telling him and, and he's guiding him to build this, this great machine that's going to help them be victorious when it's actually Decimea that is speaking from the other side of the fractured world um, that's trying to come back into this world to reenact her revenge. And she's using Duxbox as a, a conduit to do that. So she's speaking through the ooze to get him to create the veil that will open up to her fractured world. So this is the first time you're, uh, you're getting a chance to see her starting to peer through kind of like a broken looking glass. And that's how we're showing the fracture. And as the sets go on, We'll be producing more fractured foils, and every set that gets closer to Decimea's um, return oh, in the story, the fractures are going to be bigger and bigger because she's breaking through. I see. Is that mm -hmm. also related to maybe the countdown as well? 
Exactly. So the countdown card, that's why Dux Fox is the first countdown card, because yeah. um, he is the origin point of Decimea returning. So you see that uh, that hourglass on his card, and you see a little bit of sand in it. Every set that goes on, the there'll be a countdown card, and the sand pile will get bigger and bigger until the hourglass runs out, and then that's when Decimea shows up. That's a really cool hint to, to the coming of Decimea right there. Yeah. That's really mm -hmm. nice. And it really plays into the whole Elysian thing, too, because when we had um, Ophidian spoiled for our Frontier set that came out in July, Ophidian talks about how she is coming into this world as, as the Elysian, as basically the bounty god character, and she is now, she's warning of a coming of a great evil, which is Decimea, and she's calling on her brothers and sisters, her fellow Elysians, to join her in the fight to stopping Decimea from entering back into this world. Um, so that is that is her, her conversation to her Elysian brothers and sisters. And as we saw in the Kickstarter on the Alistair. Um, Elysian collector tier, we have Alistair coming, yes, who is yeah. the undead Elysian. I know I shocked a lot of people with that. I know everyone yeah, was kind no, of I, I was expecting I was so another shocked. Ophidian piece. Yeah, there's a lot of people that were expecting an Ophidian, another Ophidian piece potentially. Um, some people were expecting the Orc uh, Elysian, hence the orc theme of the set um i know other people were expecting maybe the angel one because they saw like this big uprising that's taking place in the angel world um and i know a lot of people were kind of reserving our verse future set massacre of the macabre everyone was thinking that's got to be that's got to be undead right yeah. but no i threw everybody for a curveball and i gave everyone alice there the the uh, undead elysian in this set and his flavor text his flavor text even says um you know, is 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 brave of you to journey to Everworld, there, sister? As he's speaking to um, Aphidian, who's now come to visit him, mm -hmm. um, and he says, "You know, you must be understand your endeavor in this world. That um, just like death, she can't be stopped." So Alistair is warning his sister Aphidian that this she that he's referring to could be Decimea could be someone else we don't know but leans more towards Desimea that like death the coming of this powerful you know female epitaph of greatness can't be stopped so 100% I'm very so excited you, you see that Alistair is this one so now with Alistair being the undead Elysian and empires what could be the one that comes in macabre Anything but demon. Oh. <laughs> any, there's, uh, yeah. I mean, with this being the dead one, uh, anything, anything's possible. Anything, anything is really possible for what's coming up in the well, next. I mean... This is actually, as I was looking for today's exalted, it was the first time I looked at like all the lists that were to come. I was like, oh, the, there's a whole lot of big plans for this game, and I'm really excited to like see what comes up in in the future. So, well, yeah, I mean, I think that's a good topic there, Matt. What do you, what do you think? Um, like, what coming in the future? Because, you know, Empires on the Rise is funded on Kickstarter. Obviously, we're mm -hmm. going to keep pushing for those great stretch goals. And I know we're going to come back. We're going to circle back around to that stretch goals because I know Jasper's going to have a little bit of piece of uh, the talk that he wants to do about Marianas. But um, speaking of just future projections, Empires on the Rise, and then the set we have slated to come after that, uh, Masquerade of the Macabre, which Dude, we were already alluding to. So excited! Basically, it's this. Um, Alistair is hosting a ball, kind of like a masquerade, 
like a masquerade type ball at the Crimson Moon House. At the, at the at the castle of the Crimson Moon. Yeah, at the castle of the Crimson Moon. And it's gonna be and so exciting. So he's putting on he's arranging the ball, but who is actually hosting the at he's the got, castle of Crimson he's Moon? He's got a real big Crimson Moon house party. <laughs> <laughs> vampire baby doom family. Yes, it's the Doom family, the vampire family, yes. Yeah, and you already uh, know, second vampires come out. Thankfully, it's probably not the Elysian, which means I can play them right away. I'm playing them right away. <laughs> don't worry, I'll pull the Elysian for you, and you can you can take borrow it. <laughs> well, I'm... and speaking of that too, so we, like Jasper was talking about, so they have the great plans for this because we have Masquerade of the Macabre. It's going to be a horror based theme set. Um, you know, which we is spooky. we. We we really we've been growing with the game. Ravage Lands laid the foundations. Bountiful Harvest introduced a new section of the world that we hadn't seen before. Um, Frontiers expanded on all of the world to really try and encapsulate how big and how grand the world is of Legions. Um, but then Empires on the Rise kind of brought you back into the fight, and it's the whole concept of join the revolution. We have the voices of ill repute rising up against the warlords that are in current power. Every realm is experiencing a clash, a civil war. And we come out of that, and what's best to come out of a giant war than let's put everything to rest and everyone let's just party it out. Um, and and also, so we're going to visit the Castle of the Crimson Moon, and it's the most thematic set we're going to be releasing up to this point, and everything is going to be tailored towards the Masquerade Ball. So every artwork of all of the Legion cards in it is all going to appear like they're involved in the masquerade in some way. That's, That's awesome. Super cool. So I think I actually have a Elysian prediction. Okay. Heroes. For Masquerade of the Macabre? Yes. Interesting. I think you're the uh, first person to, to predict heroes. That's, man, if it's heroes, I'm going to have to get a well, lot of that. But... I mean, the way that the, the reason I'm thinking about it, right, is Empires on the Rise was setting, the Elysian is setting up Masquerade of the Macabre. Which is undead. Opus of the yeah. Magi. The Magi are heroes. It's true. So right? you think uh, the masquerade? You think masquerade is setting up for the Opus of the Magi? I do. Like okay, I think the Elysian so, at least. Okay, so then going into that, then hmm? speaking of that and moving forward, Opus of the Magi Illumination is the set that we have um, set to come after Masquerade of the Macabre. And it has a very hero themed vibe. It's the opus of the Magi. The Magi are are the basically the the mages and the elder mages of the old world. They're the last users of magic in the hero in the mortal realm, um, and they hold some of the secrets and history of the old world. Mm -hmm. So, and that's why it's called illumination. We're opening your eyes. You're we're illuminating your mind to this to this new experience to this new world of magic that hasn't been experienced yet. And we are actually, you know, Jasper's in this conversation here being a big hero fan. I can drop a little a little a spoiler bomb for everybody mm -hmm. that as we walk in as we enter into Opus of the Magi Illumination, after the darkness that is macabre, we come into a very light set and we're actually entering into a new kingdom in the hero world. Oh. Uh, we already have we already have Aloria existing and yeah. we have Alvar that was introduced or sorry, we have yeah, Alvar that was introduced in Empires on the Rise, the Elf Kingdom, but yeah. we also have a little bit of flavor of Thornhaven, which is the 
the kingdom of the Fandorian people, the people that live in the jungle. Yeah. Um, but we actually are going to, when we go into Opus of the Magi, keyword here, Illumination, we are entering into a new hero kingdom of Lumiosa, which oh. is the hero city of light. So oh, interesting. The the people who and the people who live and rule of Lumiosa, they have the ability of phosphormancy. They can bend light. They can turn their armies invisible because they can shield light and refract it in a different way. That's um, sick. So, so we're gonna enter into the world, and that is Lumiosa is the last city stronghold that holds the power of the last remaining magi. And that's why Lumiosa is such this brilliant, bright pinnacle in the hero world is because the magi are there. And up to this point, the hero world thought Aloria was the was the, the point in which the hero mortal realm revolved around because it was the strongest and most valiantly fought and defended hero kingdom. Sure. But that's because they didn't know Lumiosa existed. Like I said, going back to the ability of Fostermancy and being able to bend light, they have actually been able to mask their kingdom to make it invisible. That's pretty uh, sick. Oh, man. I can already start thinking of like some of the cool mechanics that'd be in the, in this new kingdom and stuff. Um, oh, exactly. Okara support. <laughs> Yeah, of course. So that's right. what I mean. So we really, we really jump into. Um, so we we come out of Empires on the Rise in this Civil War. We go into the Mastery of the Macabre in this dark, horror-like setting, where we're going to be introducing more of the magic masks, and the magic mask maker is going to be introduced into that. And you're going to have like this really horror theme. We have like uh, we have some really awesome grindhouse style artwork coming for that set. Yeah, I'm really Wait, scared of that because we're in. We're introducing like the horror art cards. We're also introducing um, new card mechanic into legions called the facade cards. Those cards are going to be huge and game changing for Masquerade the Macabre. Um, also, a little another little uh, spoiler bomb here: Masquerade the Macabre is going to be introducing two brand new warlords to the game. Damn. So Damn. we have eight new ones coming in Empires and two new ones coming in Masquerade. So question though did you say that there's a new mask maker yeah so the magic mask merchant is the one that appears in bountiful harvest season one and the magic mask merchant is the one who sells the mask he's the merchant oh um, and he sells them out of his wagon and stuff but in masquerade of the macabre in the castle of the crimson moon is actually where they have imprisoned the mask maker in the cellar of the kingdom of the crimson of the crimson moon so He's been he's been locked up down there, and all he does is because he only is locked in his room, he just makes masks. That's kind of awesome, though. And those I... are the masks that are handed out to the guests to arrive. But they do, the guests that arrive have no idea that these masks are magical, and they actually like bind to the users to the wearer's soul. Oh, that's so. Uh, I just hope because you're talking all about this horror set and everything, and you know, already know how I feel about the current undead cards and how, how much they creep me out. <laughs> and I'm, I'm just worried. I'm worried I'll, I won't... <laughs> I'll, I'll have to, like, play this game with my eyes closed <laughs> when <laughs> Macabre comes out. No, but, like, I'm excited for the new masks. Like, I'm, I hope there might be potentially Legion-specific masks. Yeah, they will be, because okay, they'll be perfect. handed out to each Legion, so there's going to be a lot of Legion-specific masks. And I mean, what I mean by a lot, there's... There's going to be a good chunk of the set is going to be mask oriented. Perfect. And then, like, some of them are going to be 
pretty creepy. Like the one that uh in the wagon, the one that he's holding with like the six eyes gonna be pretty sick. The the Frankenstein looking one's gonna be really interesting. Like the I don't know what to call that. The stitched together face. It's gonna be super yeah. interesting. Well, and everyone's invited. Uh, there's certain members of each of each realm is invited specifically to the masquerade. Like I said, that's been put on by Alistair um, at the castle of the Crimson Moon. But it's put on by Alistair for one reason only, and that is to get his sister to attend. Oh, one okay. of one of the other Elysians. Oh wow! So the fe- there's a female Elysian coming. In Masquerade of the Macabre, and he's it's Alistair's sister, and he's trying to get her to attend. So interesting, yeah. No, all this I love. I love the idea of like a fully themed set. I'm really interested to see how every legion is represented in in this uh, uh, Crimson Moon uh, house. Or <laughs> I am excited for it. It's gonna be so like kind of eerie, kind of creepy. Just don't don't make the hero cards too spooky, so I could I can still play my deck. <laughs> Is that second have like a still like a focus on like a specific legion, or is it going to be more tailored towards every legion, like very open ended? Well, it's going to be open ended for sure because it's going to once again it's going to be another big set like Empires is. Um, I think right now we're tentatively shooting for Masquerade when it's completed to be a two hundred and seventy to two hundred and eighty card set. Um, so it's still going to be quite large in terms of. Uh, in terms of being able to be focused broadly across all legions, but unlike empires that will actually have set um, bounty realm cards that will be appearing in the set as well, uh, obviously because the magic mask maker and some of his masks and some of his influences going to be in the set. Um, but one thing I can say is that there's two legions specifically, like I mentioned, two war- two new warlords are coming in that set. So the legions that those two warlords belong to will be heavily focused around that warlord, obviously, to support take, that warlord. Can I take an assumption as to one of them? Sure. Vampires. I can tell you that vampires will not have a warlord in Masquerade of the Macabre. No! The vampire family is hosting the event, but like we did with some of the lore drops we did earlier on uh, last this past month and the month before, um, Alistair is referring to he is calling on a favor for the vampire family, the Doom family, to be hosting the event at their Crimson ca- Castle. But um, they're going to have to join an alliance that they're not really going to be willing to or wanting to join. Right, You've heartbroken yes. me. No. Uh, so the actual no fancy vampire warlord for you. So, so no vampire warlord, but what is historically the rival to the vampire? Werewolves? Exactly. So, Werewolf Warlord. So there you go. There's there's your there's a big spoiler for everybody listening. There will be uh there will be a vamp there'll be a a werewolf um warlord appearing. A wolf lord. In, uh, <laughs> appearing in uh, Masquerade of the Macabre, so so Undead will be receiving a new warlord in that set. Sick. Oh that's nice. Okay. Super exciting. So, anyone out there that is a werewolf fan, that'll be coming in uh, in Masquerade. We got we got a lot of themes coming, for sure. Ooh. I got so, one. like I said, we're... Oh, shoot, sorry. Oh, go for it. You <laughs> I was one question, say, go for it. When do we get 
Do we ever get the mask that is on the merchant's head? Like the one that he is wearing? Yes, that will eventually become a mask. I want it. It um, looks so cool. We have a couple uh, we have a couple tentative um ideas for that mask specifically. I know in studio, um I have a page uh back when we were drafting up Bountiful Harvest season two. Um we were drafting up when we were gonna drop some of the masks and how they were gonna cycle into the game. Um, we often we decided to put most of them into Masquerade. Um, I believe currently in our design pool we are sitting on almost a hundred masks. Um, uh, not saying that they're all going to be appearing anytime soon, but in our design pool we have about a hundred masks sitting ready, and we're just deciding which ones are going to enter into which sets. I can't wait so. to see the deck list that is oops all masks. <laughs> you want a warrior now? Remember, no. well, uh, merchant. remember. Remember, some of the most of the masks are going to be Legion specific, so it's not yeah, like you yeah. can just jam them all into one deck. I wish, I wish. Go for the one that has the most and just play Magic Mask Burn. Magic Mask Turbo. <laughs> what do you do? How do you win the game? Uh, I don't know. Mask. But I think important thing to mention: they're all Magic Masks, and there's a certain Guardian that deals with Magic specific cards. Yes. So, um. There will be future Alberton support for that specific guardian, Viviana, which has become a, yeah, a yeah. fan favorite ever since the release of Bountiful Harvest. So, but speaking of bounty cards specifically and bounty guardians, like I said, we're going to cycle back around here, and we're going to talk go back to the fact that Empires of the Rise is still currently on Kickstarter for all you guys listening right now. I know this is releasing mm -hmm. on Monday morning. Um, it's still thirty three days currently as of this filming, so I think it'd be like thirty one days or thirty or 30 days exactly when you hear this make sure you jump on make sure you back it even if you back it at the low tier of uh 90 canadian dollars works out to like 67 dollars american plus shipping um it gets you one box of empires on the rise plus six booster packs of empires on the rise just at that small tier and that small tier gives you access to almost every single primary stretch goal listed as well yeah. so excellent deal if you just want to try out the game there's obviously bigger tiers if you're into more collecting or really want to seriously dive in. I would say, like, even if we just uh, reach, like, that Twilight Garden tier, that's still, like, a bunch of, like, from the Void Hollow collection and the Twilight Garden collection, that's a really good amount of, like, good cards that you're just receiving even if you're at the lowest level. Exactly. Uh, and they're all super good. Like, it's... These are cards that they don't even last 24 hours. Yeah, they're meta-defining cards in the game for players. And if you're just a guy that or a girl that wants to come in and collect, um, and even if you just want to get them and get them graded or get them and flip them to other people in the community, like Matt said, these are cards that are typically when they when they do list very few times because most people just hoard them. When they do actually end up listing, they, you know. 24 hours is generous, Matt. I've, I've seen Twilight Guardians, as soon as it gets listed, it's like, you know, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, gone. Right? Yeah. So, and these cards are selling for, you know, anywhere from $150 to $200 Canadian, right? So you translate that to American, if $200 Canadian, you're looking at $150 American, that's some, like an individual card is flipping for. So, I mean, if you're someone who is just interested in getting in, trying the game, and jumping in to get some of those collectible pieces that you just get for free in the stretch goals since we're almost there now in terms of reaching those stretch goals uh like jasper said it's great value to get in because they're beautiful you can get them graded um or you can turn around and sell them on ebay 
TCG player, you uh, you can flip them because they're very few and they're Kickstarter exclusive extended arts. So um, this is going to be the only way that you're going to be able to access them for the immediate future. Yeah, um, we should we should really hit them because it might be the only way I ever get my own copies. <laughs> yeah, I got I got blessed and I I pulled a Void Hollow, went for the most broken box, and it, it had a Void Hollow and I was. It was on the first pack. It was beautiful. Still looking for the Twilight, though. So, yeah. So yeah, we gotta get to that Twilight Gardens collection so so Mac can get his Twilight and Jasper can get both. <laughs> exactly. But if we hit that Corsair Despair collection, that's where it gets. There we really... go. Yeah, we circled back around, and that's what I'm I wanted gonna to segue. Get to. <laughs> there we go. That's what I wanted to get to. So Jasper, what is this Corsair Despair collection, and why are you so pumped for it? Okay, so the Corsair Destroyer Direction is going to introduce a little bit early into the game than planned uh, Marianas, right? Because I know it's, her deck is planned to release after Empires. Yes. Um, but it introduces all the key cards so that you can uh, are able to play Marianas at, as, as soon as Empires releases, right? Yep. Um, and she's a really fun bounty warlord, which is she's going to be the first playable one since Fidian isn't currently playable. And uh, she does a lot of fun stuff from what you've been telling me. And you know what? We can talk about it because, you know, her code has been cracked. People know what she does. Um, it's put in our Discord. So if you want to talk about Marianas, go for it, Jasper. Yeah, yeah, okay. So uh, she's an 80 DCM Warlord, which is uh, on the, is like the higher end, which makes her very good. Um, she can really uh, keep herself healthy for a long time there. Um, so for she's... people who are not familiar with the game, what is DCM in the uh, DCM is like, uh, your it stands for damage counter max. So it's the amount of damage you can take before you lose the game. Um, and so, so eighty is a good number. Eighty is very good. Eighty is <laughs> a good number. Uh, the lowest we've seen so far is uh, seventy or sixty-five. Mortis 65. and Sharn have sixty-five, if I'm correct. Right. I yes. think a few have it in empires, but I don't remember them off the top of my head. I think Gaia is one of them. Gaia and Marisad. Gaia yeah, and Marisad. So... There it is. Yeah, the lowest we've seen is 65, and the highest we've seen is 80. So she's uh, she's on that top end of DCM, which uh, really is really good because... Um, what was Ophidian's not... DCM? Ophidian is 85, but Ophidian's mm. yeah. not playable right now. I yeah. see. Yeah. Um, it's good because uh, not is only DCM used for uh, taking hits and, and, and basically your life for the game, for any cards that use Bloodborne effects. Bloodborne is you raise your DCM by that uh, the listed amount. And so uh, having a higher DCM means you can play more of those cards and and your DCM is a very good resource to have high. Um, and so uh, let's get into more details of Mariana. Yeah. She's, she's locked into specific Veil, Synergy, and Guardian. Um, so when you set this deck up, it's going to be always going to be the same cards on your left side. Um, and she has a very interesting kit. Um, first off, she has... Her special ability, which is a passive, um, each time she destroys a warrior by battle, she'll get an infamy counter on her, and that'll come into play right now into her magical attack, in where she targets a ghost pirate token on the field, and it bestows plus X to it, where X is equal to the amount of infamy tokens on Marianas. So uh, if you're getting those ghost pirate tokens out, which uh, we'll talk about soon when we get to <laughs> Volleybok, uh, you, can, you can start making them pretty pretty large. And and she also with the physical her physical is a deal five, which is uh, I think the top end of physical attacks we've seen, right? Uh, 
Prometheus deals, hit for six. Prometheus and Ethelheim both hit for six. Ah, yes, yes. Okay. Um, but she has a pretty solid physical attack, so that means she can really start uh, triggering her special ability uh, to kill warriors and getting those infamy counters. So um, becoming more infamous, as like a pirate would do. Yes. A very build her name uh, across the realms is very very flavorful very good um and then we can get to molly mock right we can talk about molly mock now for sure and what so what is molly mock and what is her significance in the game what card type is she and how does that how does that play into the game uh so molly mock is a guardian it's basically your warlord's little sidekick buddy (laughs) uh robin robin and batman (laughs) yeah that is the best description i've heard to date what it is so (laughs) I mean, for for Molly Mock and Marianas, it's very more, very much literal because Molly Mock is always by Marianas. Um, what creature and... is Molly Mock? Are you asking oh. me? Yes. So the creature that is Molly Mock is actually she's an it's an undead because it's what's well, it's a bounty realm card, but it's a dead bird, and it's Molly Mock is a albatross. So if oh, you're familiar with birds, big. if you're familiar <laughs> with birds, albatross is the largest living bird in existence right now has the largest wingspan and they're usually only found on open oceans and they're typically viewed in a in the way of like the old rhyme of the ancient mariner um and seafaring uh seafaring expeditions in pirate times uh when you saw an albatross it was considered a sign of good luck but if a, if a, you killed an albatross you were destined to mostly die at sea and so molly mock is a is a, a an undead albatross that's that's so fair. that's why she's a sea omen. I see. Oh, uh, they're huge. Oh my goodness. They're so big. So Molly <laughs> Mock is big. Guardian, as your warlord sidekick, they have a resource called alchemy points. So this is a uh, you'll have the whatever's listed on them, and you'll start off with that many. And as you use cards that say consume, or any effects that say consume, you'll take the alchemy points down until you reach zero. Um, there's very little ways to uh, refill your uh, alchemy points. There's a couple cards like um, overflow. Magic Overflow. Um, but mostly that is a limited resource you'll keep going throughout the game. Now, 80 is a number we've only seen on Sarita Sada before, and it's very high. Um, the normal Guardian will have 50, and if you don't have a Guardian, you'll start with one with uh, 30, I believe. Yep. yep. Um, so Molly Mock is a very strong uh, guardian that it's uh, nice to go with Marianas with her 80 DCM, which means in the game with Marianas, you'll have a lot of resource to be playing uh, basically any cards you want in the bounty realm. Um, now we'll get on Molly Mock's abilities. So of course Molly Mock is uh, locked. Marianas can't be played with any other warlord. Uh, Molly Mock is only loyal to the one captain. Um, and they're after mulligan effect for guardians. Every guardian has an effect after mulligans um, to do something relate, usually related to the legions or themselves. Typically helps and with consistency. Mo- it's great. Um, and Molly Mox places two infinite, inf- infamy counters on Marianne. So she'll start with two right at the start of the game um, to really make uh, really start buffing your ghost pirates as soon as she is able to. Um, and uh, Molly Mock's consume ability is after Marianas' uh, destroyed a warrior that turned by battle, you can activate this consume ability is consume 20, and what it does is you manifest two uh, attack, three ghost pirate tokens with the keyword loot, and loot is a keyword that when the warrior leaves the field by any means, uh, you draw one card. 
Damn. And so you'll manifest these two ghost pirate tokens onto the field. Very strong because they're attack three with crew words, which is uh, kind of a, a first to have a positive keyword on uh, a token on such a big uh, attack. And then that's not the only thing it does. There's more. Uh, if you do manifest ghost pirate tokens, you can target up to two ancient relic bounty cards in your discard and add them to your hand. And so that's the part that really interests me because you know what that means? Uh, that shield you got rid of, that's in my hand again. <laughs> Free shields. Free so, shields. Well, up to this point, bounty, we, it's, it's just it's rule of, the, rule of the land that bounty doesn't ever really get a retrieve mechanic. And here we are seeing a retrieve mechanic on a guardian, on Mollymach, being able to get back two of those ancient relics. And as we were talking about earlier in this podcast, Jasper, not only what are the significance of the ancient relics, but where's where can you find ancient relics? Um, you can find ancient relics in the bounty realm because they are all currently bounty realm cards. Um, yeah, and which set do they come in? Oh, Bountiful <laughs> Harvest. Yes. Yeah, it's so, good set. Good set. Good set that everyone has already had uh, great access to. So, um. I have I have a good amount of ancient relic cards myself. I'm sure Matt does as well. I have a few. I got a few. I and got it's always fun to sword. cook with them. I got the sword, the boots, and the the little gloves. Oh, are you using your sword? <laughs> no. Uh, we can we can we'll, talk. We'll talk. We can talk. We, we, we can talk. We can talk. <laughs> does the um... you know uh, after Marianus has been revealed, I might be looking for a sort of sacrifice. You know what? Fair enough. Does the uh, corsair of despair come with the Marianus mat as well? It does, yeah. So that, that Corsair Despair collection actually comes with 12 never-before-seen cards. Um, they're the core pieces needed to actually make Marianas playable, like Jasper was mentioning, including Marianas herself, obviously, as well as Seom and Mollymach, and then her Veil, Veil of Lagoons, as well as her Synergy, the Ghostly Galleon, the Tidal Moon, which, yes, if you're listening to this and hearing it, that is her pirate ship. So... Um, you get all of those pieces, as well as you get five of the 12 cards are her Ghost Pirate Bounty Realm tokens, uh, which, is like, mm. like Jasper's saying as well, this is the first time in the game that we have um, a keyword that is a positive keyword on a warrior that can attack uh, at a higher rate. So having a three attack power with this loot mechanic is the first time ever in the game. And you're going to get five of those tokens. They're all going to become extended art foils. So this is the first time tokens will be foiled in the game as well. They're all going to be coming with Marianas' collection. And then that leaves three remaining cards that we don't know yet. Um, yeah. And those three cards are going to, are we have listed on our Kickstarter as Marianas' power cards. So you're going to be able to see um, one of her big pieces that we pulled that was going to be in her deck originally is going to be coming to you guys earlier than expected. So that's going to help her synergize really well with um, not only the ancient relic aspect of her deck, but very much with the infamy counters that Marianas generates. So um, that's an important fact there. And then like Matt mentioned, we're also the, um, the Marianas, the Corsair of Despair playmat uh, will also be available in that tier and that are in that, uh, in that stretch goal mm -hmm. for everyone. Um, and what's really awesome about that playmat, if you get a chance to see it or look at it on the Kickstarter, it's not only just Marianas, but it's in her captain's chambers of her ship. And you get to see the full thing. You get to see the globe. You get to see um, all of her 
all of her rapiers, um, her pirate cutlasses. You get to see, um, you know, some maps and stuff, but you get to see the stormy seas and the windows behind her. But the, obviously, I think the most important thing of the, the artwork and that the playmat really shows well is that Marianus herself is a ghost pirate. But much like that theme of the portrait of Dorian Gray, there is a there's an actual painting of Marianus behind her, uh, behind her ghostly body, where it shows oh. Marianus what she looked like when she was alive. Oh, that's so cool. I just, you, you're pointing out to that now I notice. I'm like, oh, wow. Look at there. There she is. <laughs> it's going to be a yeah. sick deck. Like, I'm excited for the structure deck. So, and just, just for clarification, all of those cards in that deck are going to, or not deck, the collection are going to be foil, correct? Yes, all the ones in the collection will be foil. When they appear in the structure deck, they will not be foil. So this will be the only way to get them in extended art foil. Yeah, we can get them shiny, we can get them early, we can really mess around with their deck. Shiny and better borders. (laughs) Exactly, and when we get to to 55,000 Canadian on the Kickstarter, um, those are just given out to free to everyone who backed, even at the basic tier. And I think something that's really nice is everyone that backed would then get a playmat. Exactly. uh, For people getting into the game, the playmats are so helpful because... There's a lot of zones in this game. Playmats really help you keep them organized. Yeah. Oh man. Uh, yeah. Uh, keeping track of the warrior zones and everything like. Uh, keeping track of all the zones. Uh, cause zones zones do are important. They can get clogged up if you end up playing too many act cards and stuff, and you want to keep track of of things. And we don't have any column effects yet, but. There might be one day where that matters. You want to keep track of those columns. And speaking of columns and zone effects, I can talk about it right now. That uh, little another little spoiler bomb in this podcast. We've got a couple of them already. Marianas will be the first deck and her cards that will care about specific zones and specific columns. Oh, interesting. I'm excited to play Marianas. It's going to be fun. Yeah. Like... I, I... I'm glad that everyone's going to be able to have access to our deck. Um, no, 100%. Because it's, it's nice to have that as, like, easy access. Even, like... Because especially as, like, uh, an early gateway. Of course, we're going to do our best to hit the stretch goal, but even when the deck comes out later, it's, it'll it'll be super easy access to people to just be like, I'm going to pick this up. Now I have a Marianas deck, and she's strong. Uh, her and Molly Mock are a crazy duo, with Molly Mock making a Ghost Pirate tokens, and then uh, Marianas buffing them up for some big hits. Plus, those ancient relics are very can be very strong cards to make that big hit even bigger. It's going to be great. I'd be interested to see like a um, like I don't know, like a sail the nine realms like seal event. Yeah, and that's something that we really want to try and do when we get to the Marianas becoming an actual release deck. Uh, we want to actually run uh, almost like a pre-release kind of event. <laughs> where everyone that signs up just enters in with a price, you pay your LGS, whatever the cost of the deck is, everyone just gets a Marianas deck. And then we do a whole sealed event where it's everyone playing Marianas against each other and see who comes out as like the captain of the Nine Realms. Or what you could also do is put like a Bountiful Harvest box in there, potentially, to then get like a chance at one uh, For sure. Relic. For sure, yeah. Just oh, that'd be really cool. Everyone gets a Marianas deck and one Bountiful Harvest box. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, yeah, and then jumps in and plays that way. But yeah. that's also Matt. You're insinuating that her deck won't come with relics in it. 
That is very fair. Um, sort of sacrifice. <laughs> um, no. You're you're thinking that it'll be just reprint relics. I'm talking about new ones. Yeah, we're gonna get some real new relics. They're gonna be yeah, I think there's gonna be some good relics in the... It's still in Bountiful that we should keep an eye on. Besides Luther, oh, yeah. Luther Reliquary. Very important. Oh, Luther Reliquary is gonna be so good, I'm very honest. I'm, I'm so excited, because like, I always look at Luther Reliquary, I'm like, Man, if I could, I wish I could play this in Heroes. It's just, it's just a little too high Bloodborne cost for me, though. I don't feel, I don't feel good to play in it. But Marianas is eighty DCM, so it don't, it don't feel bad to just be like, I play this, and I'm gonna get those ancient relic cards that I don't care if they go to the bin because Mollymock will get them back to my hand. Exactly. Um, I'm just thinking, like, you can, you can, you can, you can with the cray. Eyes of Ophidian with Molly Market back. Do it again. <laughs> Ew. Oh, Eyes of Ophidian is going to be disgusting. That's true. Eyes of Ophidian is their ancient relic that also searches for any Bounty Realm card in either player's deck. So what's really good, speaking of this now, so talking about the Bounty Realm deck, Marianas being playable, Eyes of Ophidian that can search for any Bounty Realm card in either player's deck. Key thing to keep in mind, Frontiers saw a very important Exalted be printed and exalted by the name of Ophidian's Destiny Dust. We don't talk about it. Now, <laughs> Ophidian's Destiny Dust, at the cost of 30 life, it removes all Bounty Realm unified and fortified cards from both players' deck and eradicates them. So for those that have not played the game yet, eradicate is similar to an exile or remove from play. So playing it against Marianas is absolutely devastating because her entire deck is Bounty Cards, which are the colorless, neutral, gray cards in the game that can typically be splashed in any Legion. But in Marianas, you can only play those cards. And when your opponent resolves that Ophidian's Destiny does paying 30 life and then removes 80% of your deck from the game, um, that really will hurt Marianas, obviously. So yeah. that's where I think the searching of Ancient Relics with cards like Jasper mentioned, Loot the Reliquary, to search for your Eyes of Ophidian. To pl then play Eyes of Ophidian to search your opponent's deck for Ophidian's Destiny Dust and take it from them so they can't use it against you. Exactly. I think that's going to be the biggest thing is uh, uh, Eyes of Ophidian in, Mar in a Marianas deck will, will most likely always be used to, to steal as a pirate would do from the opponent. Because well, a lot of people so are running really strong bounty cards right now. Yeah. So there's so much. See, you see what I mean? I, I spent a lot of time building this game for the past 10 years. I've built so much thematicness and flavor into the game. Yeah. Man. I think uh, locals last night, when people were acting with Eyes of Ophidian, they weren't searching my deck just because they knew I didn't have Twilight Garden. Um, my only bounty card they would take is Big Shield. <laughs> oh, that's just like. That's just. Ooh. That's just a hit to the, like, personal. That was. It's personal. They don't even need the Big Shield. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the thing. If they don't know, I think I think it's a good tech, right? You don't run any bounty cards except for the big shield, and then they have to go get it. <laughs> <laughs> if they try to, if they try to fit in you, or you just run like one and have it be it basically useless. Have like like not useless, but useless in their deck. Like I don't know, like magic wishing well. And then they intentionally steal it, and they're just like, cool, 
I just get to draw a free card now. Mm. That'd be well, I, awkward. <laughs> I, I think I think what's really good, and I think Jasper touched on this too, is that um, with Mariana's coming, that's at that's at stretch goal fifty five uh, fifty five k, and the two tiers that come before that, uh, the Magic Void Collection and the Twilight Garden Collection, is going to be. Uh, allowing people who didn't have prior access to Magic Void Hollow or Twilight Gardens from our early print of Ravage Lands that is no longer available in print. Um, I mean, you can pick up boxes here and there that people have, or a few stores that still have some remaining in stock. Um, but those cards are extremely sought after in our community. But it also, each tier, each collection gives you four brand new cards that are associated with that. So for the Magic Void Hollow collection, you not only get the Magic Void Hollow, but you get four new Magic Void cards and then uh, that have never been printed before. So these are brand new to the existing player base as it is to anyone new jumping in. But also, in the Twilight collection, it's the same thing. You get the Twilight Garden alternate art reprint, but then you get four brand new Twilight Flowers. Now, I know you guys have seen the flowers already and what they do. Um, they're pretty strong in their own right. But all of these cards, both collections, all 10 cards, um, are all Bounty Realm cards. So that for, therefore means you can play all of those, theoretically, in Marialis as well. Yeah. Ooh, the Twilight Flowers are going to be so fun. I'm excited. You get me all excited about deck building and everything like that. I'm like, ah, oh, man, I'm cooking. I'm cooking. But I know <laughs> whatever I make, it's going to be bad. It's going to be It's going to be bad. <laughs> That you know what, I, I really I really like the fact that um, well, that's one thing I think we've been able to achieve pretty decently with Legions, is that the deck building unlike other games, is not that challenging. Um, because it's not like you gotta worry about mana fixing. It's not like you have to worry about resource or land cards. You don't have to worry about splashing a bunch of colors because you can only play one color outside of your neutral Bounty Realm card that you can add into your deck. Mm -hmm. um, so the deck building process is very streamlined. There's only three card types, Unifieds, Fortifieds, and Warriors. Um, so everything is very streamlined deck building wise. So then ultimately it just comes down to knowing what the cards do and the ratios in which to play them that you can find the best success in. And that just comes from playing the game. So we tried to make deck building as easy and as simple as possible. Exactly. Um, to be as user-friendly as possible. Yeah. I will say when I made a quick Mount Bane Demon list one day to help play against a new player because I didn't want to bring my, my full power of Andorians against them, uh, I just I made it real quick with some help from AJ to point out some better demon cards than others. Uh, and I made it real quick. And honestly, I, I took that exact same deck list that I went to be like, oh, hi, new player. I'm going to play this deck against you. I took it to the Battle for Glory, and I came, what, like fifth or something like that? Yeah. So it, it honestly, it really goes to show, like, as long as you, um, you know, the deck, the deck building isn't as hard as it is. And I see that when I'm making decks. I'm like, yeah, I can I can put this together. I think it's just mostly for me. It's like, oh, I, I miss out on putting some staples in. But I think there's still a lot of good synergies, and especially with your entire left side, your Warlord synergy guardian, whatever that all being constant and being there, it's always like, as long as you're supporting that whole strategy, it's a uh, the deck building's not hard that hard to do at all. 
not exactly and i mean it, it's i think it just takes ex, like not experience it just takes experience with the deck being like wow this worked this didn't and it's not and the game's in a state where it's like you can actually experiment with things and it's not just wow i got turn one comboed and i can't do anything yeah, and I, I think that that's another big thing because we're still very much in our infancy as a company, right? Like the, the Empires and the Rise that's on Kickstarter right now is technically only the fourth set release. I mean, we had our battle deck, so our fifth product release, but fourth set release. And um, that it's still early enough in that you're not coming into, like you're entering into 30 years into a game. You're, you're coming into its year and a half, right? So uh, the card pool is big because it needs to be for customization and deck building to give you a, a good feel and a good grasp of the game without it being stale. But it's small enough to not be overwhelmed by having to go back years and years and years worth of cards to try and build a deck. Um, we tried, like I said, trying to keep it as streamlined as possible, but at the same time, Empires on the Rise is by far our best starting point for brand new players. So if you're on the fence, you're looking at the Kickstarter, it is the best enter point because it's the first time ever that there's Warlords printed in a set. And not only that, it's just not just it's not just the new eight, it's the original eight. So you have access to all sixteen playable characters. For sure. And also because of like the more streamlined card pool and everything like that, you when you're going against decks, you can it's easier to know what you need to play around. After sure your first game you're not gonna know anything. But after, I would say, like a couple weeks into the game of playing, you're going to be like, okay, I'm against Oryx. I know they have Pits or something else or uh, Bloodstaff. And so I know, like, okay, this is what I need to play around. That's how their playstyle is. This is, like, these are the key cards they play. I know what to maybe deflect or dismantle and stuff like that. Exactly. You know what, you know what your best counter strategies are against these decks. Now, Empires is going to take that philosophy and shake it up quite a bit because we're introducing eight new warlords with eight new legions or eight still the same legions but new ways of playing those legions yeah and i think that really emphasizes that this is the best set to start with obviously for our existing for our existing players this um is great because it builds off of that foundation that you guys have been playing with for you know the better part of a year um but for a brand new player coming into the game empires is a great starting point because not only does it give you everything you need to play the game out of one booster box which i know a lot of games don't really have that opportunity usually it requires a supplemental set or a starter product empires you can build a deck right out of the box um but you're on an equal playing field with our already veteran players yes they know how the game works and the play lines in which the main mechanics of the game work so yeah that's something you're going to have to learn as time goes on as a new player but in terms of card pool you're coming in and you're experiencing brand new and playing brand new characters and new warlords and new cards that are even our veteran players are playing for the first time as well. So it, it makes it as a very even keel um, outside of learning the basic game mechanics. This is the best set to start with. Yeah. I mean, oh, you I could even hear agree. from our theory crafting earlier. We're still not fully set on like exactly what cards are we running in each deck. Like me trying to explain the Angelica combo was so messy just because I'm like, I'm still not fully sure exactly what I want to put in because there's so many tools. Well, right, like, looking at the, the card names and seeing what they do can only get you so far. You have to, like, have the physical deck in hand and experiment with play, like, 
I think most important thing is doing test hands because you can't do test hands online, right? Like, or like, well, in theory, crafting. Exactly. So, you need to do those like in-person gold fishing hands to go through and draw a hand of six and see what your play lines are and such. Yeah. Exactly. And then, like, also knowing, like, okay, if my opponent interrupts me here, what am I doing to recover? What am I doing to extend? Uh huh. My. So, what a great game! <laughs> I just, I just sometimes I just sit down. And I'm like, man, I love legions, you know. No, I fully agree, man. I mean, like, why we started the podcast? Yeah, I mean. I spent ten years building it. This is my this is my life's work, right? I, I know. I think it of... really shows the amount of work that went into this game. Oh, one hundred percent. Every everything feels good about this game. Like, it feels thought out, and it doesn't feel funky, if that's the right word. Well, I know I know it's typically um, on face value, and anyone comes into a new game or he does even dares to try out a new game because I know that's that's the biggest that's the most challenging thing as a game creator is just you know you know you have a winning product you know you have a game that people are going to come back to and enjoy like you guys have right mm -hmm. yeah. um but getting people to try it is the most challenging part For because sure. you always you always get those two sayings and i've heard it time and time again i don't have the time or i don't have the money to invest in a new game well, that's fair right and that's 100 percent fair but all I'm asking for is five minutes of your time in between a game of Magic or in between a game of Yu-Gi-Oh. Let me just walk you through the game. And the best part is you don't even have to spend money on it because I'm going to give you a demo deck for free. Yeah. So I... that's the thing I think that that's the hardest part is getting it in front of people and getting their attention long enough to teach them the game. Um, and it only takes like all of five minutes to walk them through how the game plays and what its functions are. And... I think that is the biggest, my biggest call to arms for the community. I don't ask a lot from our community. Our community is really great. It's self-sustaining. They're super helpful. They don't ask a lot from the community. But if that's one thing that I can ask is I need you guys, I, the Legion's fans out there, to keep pushing, to, to take the time to get your group of friends that are playing Magic one night be like, hey guys, you know what? Let's order pizza. Let's take a break. I'm going to show you some legions. Yeah. Even for five, ten minutes, you know, just to go yeah. through because we know we have a game that'll captivate people and the entry point is so cheap. Exactly. Like, for me, it was just that that one game that all it took for me was one one game and I was like, the, you'll you'll experience the back and forth of the game, how, how all the mechanics work, how, how it all feels, and you'll be like, yeah, this game, this game's good. That was so, exact same with me, right? It's like I played one game while waiting for Magic Singles to be pulled. I haven't even played with those Magic Singles. And that was a year ago. Yeah, you know, he's like, if you can get someone to play one one game of Legions with you, I was like, put them again, get, give them a starter deck. You go, you go on your on your deck, go a little easy on them so they can fully experience everything and. They'll they'll get hooked. They'll get hooked because this game this game is so well designed that like, uh, just playing playing one game you'll be like, yeah, this is a game I want to play more. No, I fully agree, and I think if we're all cool with it, I think that is a good spot to end the night, like end the I, I think podcast. So. I I I think so too. I think we've encapsulated people's attention 
um, good enough for uh, I mean, we record in the evenings, but good enough for a Monday morning drive to work or drive home from work on a Monday afternoon. Or, but either way, however you're listening to this, um, I know Matt's going to rhyme off all of the platforms that we're available on for any future or past podcasts. But I know that uh, um, wherever you're listening to this, however you're listening to it, we appreciate your time more than you know. And uh, we are always down to talk games, uh, down to talk how Legions is made. And if you want a slot on this podcast, all you got to do is jump in our Legions Discord server. It's open. It's free to join, free to sign up, get your name on the list. And, uh, and you know we get people asking to be on the podcast all the time. We asked Jasper to come on this time around, and I'm glad we did because he's brought an excellent level of uh, enlightenment to the game. Honestly, um, so thought I wouldn't. Uh, I was like, I was worried. I'm like, I don't know what. <laughs> no. You know what? You you have been awesome to have on Jasper, and we're definitely gonna have to bring you back um, for sure. Maybe after Empire's release, so we can really get that combo nailed down that you come <laughs> up with. Oh yeah, get bring me back on after I've done a couple of games of dice rolling. I'll be a completely different man. <laughs> yeah. So Matt, where speaking of that, where can they find us? Where can they find past, future episodes, anything? Where is that? So you can find this, both past and future episodes, on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, Castbox, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, and Stitcher. Basically, anywhere where there is an audio distributing platform, we are there. And that is awesome. Um, I appreciate Matt for all the hard work that he does recording the episodes, trying to arrange these meetups for not only my schedule, but everybody else coming in for our guests. It's always awesome to have a guest. Jasper, you have been amazing. You yeah. have given enlightenment. Honestly, a great person to have on the podcast. You're definitely going to be making it. I get that. one person to play, big, one, like one more person to play Big Shield when they wouldn't usually. I've done my job. <laughs> well let's get let's not only get people to play big shield let's get more people into the game let's we already got a we had a growing player base uh, at your guys home store at atlas let's see if we can contact some other stores in uh, the kitchener waterloo area let's keep growing this um i know we're going to be moving uh, a lot of our attention and focus into the gta in toronto we got some big learn to play potentials coming up there too but remember guys empires on the rise legions realms at war is on kickstarter make sure you back it only $90 Canadian a booster box, $67 American for one booster box. Where are you going to find that for a set that's going to give you 270 cards right out of the box? That's so you can rewards, man. Like Exactly. You can learn the game for easy, for, for, you know, for little money. Uh, you can get involved in a great community. Everything, our entry to, to tournaments are free. We do big $2,000, $3,000, $4,000, $5,000 tournaments. Most of, the, most of the time they're free or at least just a small cover charge that you're going to win back as long as you get top 16. You know, we have, we have free LGS campaign kits that go out. These guys can even attribute to it. They compete in those LGS campaigns. They're you get free, it's free sign-up, free promos, free play mats for the winners. You know, we do everything we can to support the community as much as possible. Get your LGS involved. We get free starter packs that we send to LGSs just for just for contacting us. You can be part of the ambassador program. I know we've discussed that in depth already on the podcast about being a great ambassador. So if you haven't got those episodes, make sure you go back and listen to those ones. Um, but be like Jasper. Dare to be different. Play the big shield. <laughs> Def deflect the negativity because we have a great game, a great community. And let's follow behind that shield and push through.
And I think Jasper, oh. thanks, thanks for <laughs> thanks for being part of the podcast tonight, Jasper. And Matt, as always, it's been awesome to do this. It has. And with that, have a good rest of your day, everyone. Yep. See you. See you until next time. <laughs>